0: Hey there, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. How are you doing? I hate starting the the podcast, honestly. Like, I try and find something different to say every time, and I can't. It's really irritating, and I feel like it must be irritating for you to hear me start the same way. So, yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) Maybe that's how I should start it every time, by just, like, saying, I hate having to start the podcast. Uh, Anyway... Let me go back to being professional, <laughs> but it is tough. And if you do a podcast, like let me know. I I think it's hard to try and think of something different to say. Anyway, I am batching episodes today. I've been really bad recently, and I don't mind admitting to you that. My head has not been in like a great space in terms of getting work done, because I think we all go through this at times and there's been so much going on in the world. And I think I've talked about it in a couple of episodes back that I was struggling a bit, but I'm giving myself a serious kick up the backside. And today I am batching three episodes all in one go, because then one, I get into the flow of it. It works quicker. It happens easier. And Ideas do flow when you batch content. So if you've never done it before, I'm sure I've done an episode, so I will find the episode and link to it in the show notes. But do go check it out because batching really is helpful in terms of creating content. And sometimes we do just need to give ourselves a kick up the backside and say, get on with it. Enough now. So that's what I've done today, and I'm on episode two of three. I've got one more to do after this, but this is an interview, so it doesn't take me that long, because of course I've already done the interview. So today's interview is with the very lovely Matt Johnson, and he is a agency founder, podcaster, and author of the book called Micro Famous. And we have a really, really interesting conversation about not needing loads and loads and loads of followers in order to be successful. We talk about the fact of how you can use a niche and really drill down into who your customer is that you suddenly don't need 20,000 downloads per podcast episode, or you don't need, you know, 5,000 people to watch a video that actually you can make just as much money on 100 people watching a video rather than 5,000 people watching a video. And we have this really interesting conversation about kind of checking in with our ego. Because do you know that sometimes I I really genuinely have to do this. I genuinely have to check in with myself because sometimes I will do things because my ego wants me to do them. So I will be invited to speak on a particular stage or a particular location. And I'll be like, oh yeah, totally want to do that. And when I look at the business reason for it, there isn't one. Like the audience might not be my type of audience. I might be getting to go somewhere amazing that I want to go to, but actually from a business point of view, it's, May not be the best use of my time, but it's my ego going, oh no, but wouldn't it be amazing to go there? Or how amazing that these people have asked? Or how cool that you get to fly somewhere? Or how will it look on your social media? So this was really interesting. And I think this is such a great reality check for us all to have. When we do stuff, are we doing it for our ego or are we doing it to? grow our business. Because sometimes we don't need to do that thing to grow our business. We can still grow a really successful business without being the Instagram famous person that we think we've got to be, or without getting the hundred thousand downloads on a podcast. We can still be successful. It's just where your priority lies and what you're doing with it and how you are using that following so I had a really, really lovely chat. He's such a nice guy. It was really, really interesting. And we just talked about, you know, how you can become influential to the right people. And I think this is really going to resonate with lots of you because one of the things I said on the podcast is people get really hung up on numbers. And we do, we all do. I do. You know, I check my podcast downloads as often as I can tell you. You know, we're literally a daily thing often. But it's because we're all thinking that success comes with numbers and it doesn't always. We just need to be really clear that that is going to lead to that success, that we don't necessarily need to have all these millions of people following us or all these people downloading our stuff or watching our stuff or engaging in our posts in order to be successful. And actually the truth of it is, do you know what? Some people aren't. Now I had someone asked to come on the podcast a little while back And I looked at their social media and on the surface, they looked super successful. They had all the lovely Instagram worthy photos. They had obviously a few photo shoots. They seemed to have a few good few followers on all different platforms. And then I started to dig a bit further and actually there was no credibility behind them. Literally none. I couldn't find what their business was. I couldn't see who they'd helped. I couldn't see like proper testimonials, they talked about them being a speaker but when i looked at their speaker stuff there was not any pictures of them stood on stage there was no credibility behind it and the reason i tell you this is not to be mean about someone obviously i've not told you who so that's fine but the reason i tell you this is because it's easy to to inflate all those things if you want loads of followers like You could go and buy them tomorrow, you know, but what use would that be to anybody? Absolutely none. And although I wish my Instagram would grow faster than it grows, although I know I have to work my bum off to get followers and to get people to listen to the podcast and to get you guys to recommend my podcast, which, you know, I would love it if you could, if you've got a friend or two that you could just say, hey, you want to listen to this woman? She's all right on occasions, (laughs) Um, you know, in between her uh, terrible intros. But, you know, although I have to work really hard for that, I know that you listening, I know that when, you know, you pick up your, your earphones to listen to this podcast, that you're totally invested in it rather than, you know, me buying 100,000 followers on Instagram and knowing that basically 97,000 of them or wherever I am at the moment, about 3,000 followers, you know, are pointless. So what's the point in that? So like I said, I think this is a really good episode for one reminding you you don't need those numbers and giving you an ego check as to are you doing these things and then giving you some actual practical steps in terms of how you can become that micro famous how you can make sure that you are famous to the right people so I think you're going to love this episode I really enjoy chatting to Matt. he's a really really nice guy and I will obviously link up to all his stuff in the show notes but I hope you enjoyed today's episode and without further ado here he is So I am really pleased to welcome Matt Johnson to the podcast. Welcome, Matt. How are you doing?
1: I'm so good. Thanks for having me.
0: Good, good. We've just been having a lovely chat about Matt being in San Diego and being one of my favourite places. And Matt's just reminded me that we met each other last year at Sunday, in San Diego. And it's just crazy how time flies and who you meet when you go to these things. So it's awesome that we've been able to catch up. But Matt, in case my audience don't know you, and obviously so I've done an intro, but in case they don't know you, can you just tell us who you are and how you got to doing what you're doing now?
1: Yeah. So the, uh, the the back of the napkin story is I run a podcast production agency specifically for coaches, consultants, and thought leaders. It's 100% done for you. Uh, and uh, I, I essentially run it in about four hours a week. So we have an amazing team of specialists that do all the work behind the scenes. I just built the system and then make sure that the trains uh, run on time, so to speak. Uh, but I got here, you know, five years ago, I was just some dude, working at somebody else's marketing agency, I got the opportunity to start working with some influencers that were key relationships in the agency. And I started doing uh, Google Hangouts back when that was a thing. And one of the guys that I was doing Google Hangouts with that was getting into coaching in that space called me up one day and just said, dude, like we have so much fun doing these Google Hangouts. Why don't we turn this into a podcast? I'm like, it's well, funny you should say that because I was going to call you up like next week and pitch you on the same idea. Uh, that was five years ago. So um, we ended up starting a podcast that uh, got named like the top five in the residential real estate space. We had a blast. It's got a million and a half downloads. I wow. still, I took a step back from being the main co-host uh, on that, and so I let my partner kind of run with that. But I still, uh, I still have fun, you know, dropping in whenever I feel like it, parachuting in and, and co-hosting yeah. that show and you know giving him a hard time. So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how I got started. And then the more I did podcasting, the more podcasts I launched as part of my kind of marketing consulting, I yeah. realized that that was actually the most effective thing I could do for business coaches and consultants. And so I just dropped all the other marketing consulting stuff and just went deep on podcasting. So now we just do that one thing for one type of person.
0: And how long have you been doing it for? I'm just interested because podcasting seems to have taken a real rise in profile in the past, I don't know, 12 months here in the uk so when when did you start focusing purely on the podcasting bit Mm,
1: i started the podcast in 2015 i probably didn't focus on running it as an agency until the end of 2016 Mm. um i was a big fan i like i got into adam carolla's podcast within like six months of him starting it It would have been like 2010 if i hadn't had that foundation of being like a fan uh, almost a super consumer of podcasts i wouldn't have thought about it either because yeah, it wasn't getting a lot of attention uh, in the agency where I used to work. Like I said, we did like Google Hangouts and stuff and webinars were mm-hmm. still big. But yeah, podcasts, there was like, I think two or three podcasts in our space up until that point. Now there's probably, there's somewhere between 50 and a hundred, maybe even more than that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely the numbers have exploded and the attention that it gets like on the national stage has exploded. Uh, but I yeah. happen to be a fan way before that.
0: That And and. I find that really interesting recently, you know, because here in the UK, we have the BBC and the BBC are really pushing podcasts heavy. Every kind of celebrity, comedian, whoever is now starting a podcast as well. And it's like, I don't know about you, but it's like, stop jumping on our bandwagon. Like you go (laughs) and stick to your TV, like leave our podcasts alone. It's competitive enough anyway, without having you lot there with your big production and all this sort of thing. So it's just really interesting. And I, I don't know why do you think that is, and I know we've I've brought it on here because you've got a book and I want to talk about some of the concepts around the book. But Mm. why do you think we like podcasting when we have video and live video and Insta stories? I I just find it fascinating.
1: I just I think there's something special and different about something you can listen in your ear while doing something else. Mm. I don't know about you, but like when I'm if I'm not hanging out with somebody, if I'm just alone, I can't even watch a movie anymore. I can mm-hmm. I can do sitcoms to an extent, but on, but you find yourself like even then like reaching for your phone, scrolling through Instagram. Yeah. You know, I, like I can sit for a couple of hours if I'm by myself, and I can go from one YouTube video to another if they're mm-hmm. interesting. But I think just the the short attention spans with video uh, is mm-hmm. getting shorter, and so the idea that people are just going to sit there and watch a half hour show unless it's something really really good, uh, I think our attention spans are just getting shorter. But when we can have something in our ears and we can still be doing something else that occupies a different part of our brain that combination actually works really well. So mm. like if you dig into the numbers behind the scenes and I'm sure you've done this on Apple Podcasts once they started tracking how much people listen to a podcast episode you're shocked. Like people are listening to 80 90% of a podcast yeah. episode like on average. We're not talking about the super yeah. fans. We're just talking about the average. So it's insane how much people will sit there and listen to 80% of you talk for 45 minutes. There's literally no other there's almost no other content where people would do that. There's definitely no other marketing medium. Like good luck getting somebody's attention for 45 minutes on a Facebook live. I do it by the way, on my real estate show. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. Uh, And we don't get any favors from Facebook anymore on live video.
0: Yeah. And I think for me, you hit on it. Exactly. It's the fact I can learn and do something at the same time. I hate wasting time. It's a huge frustration to me. So if I've got to drive somewhere, if I even, so every morning i put this ridiculous makeup on every day. <laughs> it takes me a long time, about an hour to get ready every morning. But every morning, that's what I do. I listen to a podcast. I listen to Audible. Because it's this inane activity that I have to do, that I don't have to think about, that is like second nature to me now. And it's like the fact that I can, I need to do that because obviously I'm on camera all the time. But the fact that I do that and then I can learn is just amazing. And for me, doing a podcast... I like the fact that, and I've talked about it before on the podcast, that someone is listening to this and I am in their ears right now. You know, it's so personal. It's so, and and when you do it authentically and when you do it naturally, which took me some time to find my my space and how I felt about it and to get over the hangup of it needs to be perfect and I can't say, mm, and I can't make a mistake. And whereas now I literally, I was going to say, i just put out any old rubbish. I hopefully do any, <laughs> but it's very authentic, and because that's how it would sound if I was talking to you, if we were on the phone, and you know whoever's listening to us now, if, if the three of us were having a conversation, that's how it would sound. So for me, I like the authenticity and I like the personal touch of it. Whereas, like you said, on a video, I tried to watch uh because uh, we're on lockdown, and my daughter was here, and she wants. She, I was doing way too much work. So I said, we'll do something. Let's watch a film. She said, she put Avengers end game on. I mean, we're not talking a five minute film, are we? Geez, man! Oh, no. And I literally found myself every 20 minutes like, Oh, shall I make a drink? Oh, do you want some popcorn? Oh, I'll just check on so-and-so. Oh, I'll just do this. I couldn't do it. I couldn't sit there. It was insane. But yeah, yeah anyway, so for <laughs> me, I love the podcast. I think podcasts are brilliant. And the fact that you've been doing it for such a long time is kind of crazy because it feels like now Everyone's doing. I know. It.
1: I felt like I was late to the game in 2015, and then yeah. you get yeah. Then now I'm somehow magically transformed into an OG of podcasting, which is like, especially in my original space in real estate. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, um, yeah. Because there's so many new podcasts that have come out since then that they look up and go, like I've had people come onto my my podcast and go, oh man, I started my podcast because of you. I'm like, how long have I been doing this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Don't tell me that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what episode are you on? I you don't know?
1: track him. I have no idea. 300 um, and something. Yeah. Like at one point, we were doing two and three episodes a week. I put out so much content. It's insane. I
0: love it. I love it. And I do like that when you're like, what episode, John? And it's like a 100 and something. It's like, that is a long time, man. Yeah.
1: At you one know? point, I was doing between six and eight hours of wow. live video podcasting a week.
0: That's crazy. That's so much. Anyway, talking about podcasting. So tell us about your book. What is the book about and why did you write it? Okay. So the book is
1: called Micro Famous, and actually the reason I wrote it and what led to like led me down the path to eventually writing it was that first podcast, right? Because it got like it, in in the space that it's in, it gets a lot of downloads compared to the other shows. Uh, <clears throat> really great numbers, lots of attention, social media. We get named to like the bunch of the lists. I, I just got an email the other day that we're named to like the top twenty podcasts in the space and stuff like that, which is awesome, great. Yeah. But at the same time. I also started a podcast in the same space with another co-host, and I had a, a, a ownership stake in the coaching business behind each of them. So I co-hosted each, and I had a business interest on the back end of each, right? Mm-hmm. So two different podcasts. One had the mainstream following, got all the attention, got all the downloads, got all the accolades. The other one hasn't had a single episode go over like 4,000 downloads, and it built a half a million dollar coaching consulting business in less than two years, two and a half wow. years, right? Um, one of the things that I noticed about that podcast, so much, much tighter, smaller focused audience,
0: mm-hmm. much
1: deeper content, right? Content that the rest of the mainstream couldn't handle and actually actively turned them off, right? Repelled them. Yeah. We we're talking about stuff that they could not relate to because my co-host on that show has built an, a, a million dollar team. He nets a million dollars a year off his team that he runs in less than one day a week which by the way was a part of the model for how I run my agency. Mm. Um so like once that idea got out there, like you couldn't you couldn't put the genie back in the bottle so to speak. Mm. So over time, like people would listen to the podcast for 3 to 6 months and all of a sudden they would go to the website, put their credit card number in, get on a plane, show up in Omaha, Nebraska and walk into his office for a 12-hour workshop and they didn't talk to anybody. They didn't talk to him, they didn't talk to a sales rep, they didn't talk to anybody. Mm. So like stuff like that happening compared to my other podcast that was much harder to monetize with a larger audience and smaller products, it just got me thinking like none of that stuff made any sense. Because I feel like just about everything we've been told in terms of how to succeed over the last 10 years in online marketing has all been the maximum number of attention and eyeballs on your stuff. Mm -hmm. Sell them a low price product. And then some small percentage of that audience will want to buy something more expensive from you. So create something for them. That That would just offer some some premium version of what you of the low price product right like like that's the path that we've been sold, yeah, and we just did the exact opposite with that podcast, and it worked really well, and so it, it just sent me down that that path
0: so the podcast was the lead into the bigger product. How did you sell it off that? Was it a case of you talked about it on the podcast, was it a case of you've got them to opt in and then you promote it through emails how
1: no we didn't have any sophisticated back end uh, process uh i don't I, I still don't think they actually have any sophisticated back end <laughs> process they definitely don't have an autoresponder or an email nurture sequence at this point um they should uh but no all we did was uh we were good at authentically talking about it in the flow of the conversation on the podcast
0: great yeah. that is amazing but like you said what i find fascinating about the world we're in at the moment is One, everybody is obsessed with numbers and they only want the big numbers. I was on something literally yesterday and someone said, should I do Instagram stories? And they said, I've only got 600 followers on Instagram. And I was like, 600 followers. Imagine those people in your house. Like that is a ton of people, 600 people. That's a lot of people. And I think this is the This is the the thing where people are coming from now. They're looking at these big numbers thinking to be successful, I've got to have that many downloads. I've got to have that many people on my email list, that many people following me on Instagram, because there are people out there who have got these big numbers and are successful. But, and I want you to tell us the, the premise behind this, but presumably it's a case of if you're finding the right people and you are absolutely like a dart straight into those people this is going to introduce. Then it, you don't need those big numbers.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that, that's literally the the entire thrust of the whole book is to get people to think about this differently. Um, because to me, like when I think of what microfamous means, it's it, it has always meant to be famously influential to the right people, and there and I could break down every single part of that. Because the, to me, like that's the formula, right? If it, mm-hmm. but it's a formula for a very specific type of business. It is simple profitable and rewarding and the thing is is not everybody wants that some people want messy complicated businesses for personal reasons right they need to have 15 different projects i'm not that person like i'm that person that i want to work less than 20 hours a week like i'm i'm a natural introvert so this is my ideal kind of marketing is conversational it's fun it's awesome like we get to talk about ideas um and so i don't need a thousand things going on at one time a lot of people do yeah, But if you're not that kind of person, and, and you look at somebody like a Gary Vee, who works 15 hours a day, and I don't know when he sees his family, but good right. good luck to that guy staying married, yeah. all power to him. But like, when I look at that, I see all kinds of things I don't want. Like that, that's when I, that's what I see when I look at Gary Vee, I see a life I don't want. Mm. When other people look at him, they go, Oh, man, I want, I want that level of attention and followership. Right? That's yeah. not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in like, I want the people in my world. I want to be famously influential to them and I want to solve like the most valuable problem in their mm-hmm. life so that I make a massive impact and then I I you know like move on and do other things.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the thing it's like it's really and this is a hard conversation to have with yourself because it's like let's just check in your ego a minute mm-hmm. what do you really want? Do you want the followers and the fame and the the stuff that comes with that or do you want to make money? Or do you yeah. want to build a business, you know, because followers do not necessarily equal money, you know, granted there is this, I don't know, rule or whatever, which obviously is true to a certain extent that people have got to see you in order to start that process of, you know, funnily enough, someone who, uh, who's just joined uh, one of my online programs today saw me for the first time speak a year ago, literally to to this point last year and it took them a year so you know you know you need those people following you in order to start that process but is it just about going check out how many followers i've got on instagram or is it about turning that money and which is more important to you because i guess we do a lot of stuff for the numbers thinking if we focus on the numbers the the sales will come
1: yeah yeah, and, that, and that's exactly what what I would call like the big lie of the last 10 years of online marketing is that more content equals more sales, hmm. right? Because more content is supposed to get us more attention. And then after all, attention automatically converts into sales, right? Like, mm-hmm. nope, sorry, that's never been true. And it's definitely not true now. If there, yeah. was, there was, a, I think, a sliver of time when it looked like it was true. You know, so around the time that, you know, Grant Cardone writes the 10x book, right? Amazing yeah. book. I love the book. The mentality is awesome. But he talks about how he amped up his social media to the point where he's posting like, you know, I think it was like 50 to 100 posts on Twitter a day. Like every, every 17 minutes, something was going out from Grant Cardinal's Twitter account. There was a sliver of time where that worked. And then the social media networks caught up and went, well, this, this is destroying our user experience. We can't have this. Like this is not what human beings, this is not how human beings communicate. Yeah. And they stuck an algorithm between us and our followers that changed the game again. And it made it more like natural human communication. Like you don't, nobody walks into a a cocktail hour and says something about their business that like delivers a self-promotional message every 17 minutes when they're in a networking event.
0: <laughs> you know I mean,
1: hey, if you're doing that you and get away with it, yeah, all, all power to you, but, uh, that is but it's so not, that's not the funny. real world. Yeah.
0: That is hilarious because whenever <laughs> I talk about social media and talk about advertising on social media, I liken it to a network meeting. I said, it's like yeah. you walking in going, hi, I'm Teresa. Do you want to buy my stuff? And yes. how weird would that be? That is brilliant. I love that. Yeah, yeah,
1: it is. It's well, and it just brings it. Like it, it drives the, it, it drives it home, right? Because yeah. people think that social media is a different thing. It's not, it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. just a little bit more scalable. And yeah. it used to be massively scalable right? Because you could reach thousands and millions of people. And that's theoretically true. But Mm. now there's an algorithm that says if you don't make the most engaging content the world has ever seen, you're not reaching a million people, you're reaching the same hundred people, and Mm. you're going to have to pay to reach beyond that. So if that's the case, like the idea that more content equals more sales, like that's, it's never really been true. But there was a time when we kind of tricked and fooled ourselves into thinking that was true. And now it's back to reality. Yeah, okay, well, now what do you do? And I think that's, that's where a lot of people get stuck is that they're still, they're still following people that that's the message they take away. And mm. if you follow guys like Gary Vee and Grant Cardone, I don't think they intend for it to be this way, but people mm. come away with the message. I'm producing, like anytime there's not enough sales in my business, the answer is producing more content. And so then they set out to produce more content. It doesn't produce more sales. And they're wildly confused. Yeah. I've literally seen on Instagram the other day, uh, Gary V. answering that exact question from one of his followers. I'm producing more content than ever before and nothing's happening in my business. So he's got to go and he's got to dive in and diagnose what is that missing link. Mm-hmm. I think there is a missing link. Um, and to me, it's influence. And that's that's why the book is all about building influence in today's world where it's not as simple as just posting something every 17 minutes on Twitter.
0: Yeah. So how do we do that then?
1: Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's get, let's just, it. get okay.
0: Okay. just tell me what to do now. <laughs> okay.
1: So the short story is get featured on podcasts, host your own podcast, social micro content, sales micro content. We go into that in the book. That's that. That's what mm-hmm. I would call to get collectively a new media machine. That can yeah. operate 24 seven online to grab attention, keep you visible, but in a way that's congruent with your status as a thought leader. Yeah. And whether you think you have that status or not yet, you will gain that status by getting featured and by eventually launching your own podcast. That will completely 100% Solve any credibility problem you think you have. So if there's anybody listening that, that has that concern, but I want to back up because I know you want to talk about the three stages of influence. Because yes. I want to yeah. I want to share like how this works in the real world today. Okay. So the three stages are get seen, get noticed, get known. Mm-hmm. Right. So get seen is when you're out there and you're just being visible, and people start to go, Oh, Matt, I've I've seen I've seen that guy before. Yeah. Right? Or um, I think we're you know I think we're friends on Facebook. I think I follow him on Instagram. Whatever get noticed is when they go, Oh, Matt's the podcast guy, or Matt does this, right? So you start to like people start to link you a little bit, like they get an understanding of what you do, or at least who you are. I'm like, Matt, Matt's a marketing guy, Matt runs an agency, something like that, right? But that's not the highest level. That's where a lot of people get stuck. Mm -hmm. The highest level is when you're known, right? Matt's the micro famous guy. Matt Mm -hmm. helps thought like Matt launches thought leaders, right? I get I get linked to the problem that I solve. Uh, Gary Vee is a really good example of this, right? So if you think of the word hustle, I guarantee you, if you ask most entrepreneurs, you say the word hustle, what's the first person they think of Gary Vee by design, by the way, because that he doesn't shut up about it. Yeah. Uh, John Maxwell is another great example. Just Google John, you know, John Maxwell books. And if you can't find leader leadership or leaders in the title, like I, there's probably a handful of his books that don't have that theme either in the title or in the subtitle. Yeah. He's been writing about leadership for however long. So John Maxwell is linked in everyone's mind to leadership. So if you're an event organizer and you decide, hey, I need a keynote and we want to focus this around leadership, what's the very first person you think of? Yeah. Well, can I get John Maxwell? And then if you can't get John Maxwell, then maybe you go to the other thousand people mm-hmm. that talk about leadership. And so uh, the thing is that like, we, we think of those examples, those are examples on a big scale. It's actually a lot easier to do that if you shrink the battlefield, which is what we talk about in the book, and become known for something, but only to the very people that you want to serve and lead. And Mm -hmm. if you focus and you shrink the battlefield to where you're not competing with the John Maxwell's and the Gary V's of the world, you're competing only over the attention of of a smaller group of people, it's actually a lot easier and faster to become known in that space. You just have to decide what you want to become known for, and that's another conversation. But like if you if you can decide who the right people are it's a lot easier to take the exact same resources that you have mm-hmm. and be everywhere to them and be completely invisible to everybody else
0: so are we talking specifically niching down into or are we talking creating content that's aimed at different people but ultimately brings them back to the same thing
1: there there's yeah there's multiple ways to go about that so we we talk about that in the book, because you can, you can create a new niche. You can speak to an existing niche, Mm -hmm. right? You can speak to a type, right? You can create your own niche by delivering content in a way that only tracks a certain type of person. I think that's where a lot of people are going these days. Uh, It used to be very easy to niche down. Like one of the guys that I interviewed a while back um, created a niche for himself called government marketing. It's a guy named Mark, Mark Amtower. And he was genius 30 years ago. He's sitting there. He's just a marketing guy. And Mm -hmm. he's realizing that government budgets are, starting to balloon. And the whole military industrial companies that want to cater to them had no idea how to market themselves and get government contracts. So he dives into that 30 years later, he's still the guy. He's still the government marketing guy. So that's like, to me, that's niching down. That's taking what you do that you could do for just about anyone and saying, I'm going to serve this slice of the market. But they, they all agree that that's a niche. Now, what happens if you're like all of us and we want to work with more of like a demographic type mm-hmm. well that that's when it comes down to how you talk and where you're visible right because you're attracting the right people i just don't i don't want any speaker i don't want any coach i want certain types of coaches mm-hmm. consultants speakers trainers authors you know what i'm saying like it's a it's a type of person not necessarily like a niche in that sense so yeah. i think there's all kinds of ways to slice it it's about finding who the right people are for you and then and then going after them
0: so do you think then that the because one thing I talk about a lot and that and I'm a big fan of is authenticity of you and who you are. And I talk about, you know, when I joke that i rough and ready podcast, you know, that th- the way I am, the way I teach, the way I put my content out there, the way my brand is, the way I look, talk, whatever... That attracts a certain type of person. So for instance, if I look at the people in my academy, they tend to be mainly women. Now, it's not that I go out for mainly women. You know, I am happy for anybody to come into the academy, but there's something about me. And when I look at my branding, it's very feminine. It's very pink. It's very girly. And therefore it's understandable that I'm going to attract that sort of person. So mm-hmm. is do you think, if someone sat there thinking, I don't know how to do the kind of, not even getting a niche, but I, I don't know how to attract that right person. Do you think it's just a case of them being completely authentic with themselves about what they're putting out there and that will do that for them? Or do you think it's smarter than that?
1: Mm, that is an interesting question. And, and I'm going to give what I think might be a controversial answer, but I, th- I think there's a basis for it. and Because mm-hmm. Seth Godin talked about this in his new book. Have, okay. you, have you read This is Marketing? Do you remember what he talked about?
0: Do you know what? I haven't read it yet. It's on my Audible list,
1: it, and it was on my list for a while too. I, I didn't read it when it first came out. I wish I would have. Um, so he has a really interesting perspective on on authenticity. He says something to the effect of, "If you have a business that allows you to be completely authentic all the time, consider yourself a fortunate amateur." I'm like, okay, wow, that was that was like a heavy ga- a gavel to the back of the head. Amateur, fortunate okay. amateur. Okay. His perspective on it was, and I think he's right about this, which is professionals show up when they don't feel like it. They he don't does. necessarily let their head their hair down all the time. So yeah. I think there's a balance. Like we we are in an age of know, it's it's there was something he called it, like we're in an age of like forced authenticity. I think, I don't remember mm-hmm. if Seth Godin said that or not, if it was somebody else. But I think he's right about that. We are in an age where it's the authentic authenticity is forced. Because Mm -hmm. we have to do things like Facebook Live. So you gave the example of your podcast, like not having it heavily edited. And I'm the same way, right? Because if you work with me, you better show up to my age on the doorsteps of my agency. Like if you come to me and say, hey, I want you to launch and produce a podcast for us. Great. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sign you up right away just because you say you want to. Like Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that you've already listened to my podcast. You've already heard me interviewed. And you know what you're getting into. And you know what I'm like. And you're drawn to my personality because mm-hmm. I got to work with you and I got to have you yeah. in my life for the next 12 to 18 months or longer you know what I'm saying like I don't want mm-hmm. people in my life that I don't that don't resonate with me so that there's there's that element of authenticity of yes just be yourself but I don't believe that just being yourself will attract the right people because that depends on what you stand for and what your mm-hmm. clear and compelling idea is that you're putting into the world and if you haven't put a lot of thought into that and you just go out there and be yourself even if it works, I think you fall into that category of fortunate amateur. Mm. And the thing about that is that that can work for a while, but what happens when it stops working? If you have no idea how you got there, you don't know what to do to fix it. Mm. Um, a good example is I'm, I'm a musician and I remember watching instructional videos that were recorded like back in the 80s and stuff, like when I was yeah. first coming up. And they're hilarious because they would sit down with a drummer behind his kit. And they would go, so how do you do that? Like that, you know, that, that bluzga, that do that thing with the snare drum and the tom. And he's like, well, you know, I just kind of, and the, well, just let me show you. And then he would just do it. And it's lightning fast. You can't tell what is going on. Yeah, yeah, uh, Like that's like, you don't want to be in that position because what right. happens if it stops working? You have no idea what you did to get there. You have no idea what to do to fix it. You end up being that guy who can't, you can't teach anybody anything, hmm. right? And that, so that's not the position that I want to be in. So I, I, I don't focus a lot on authenticity, and count on it drawing the right people. If that makes
0: sense. That yeah, it makes perfect sense. And it's really interesting because I've always, like I said, authenticity is a really big one for me and I I think I'm very authentic. But actually, I am authentic, but I still show up, I still work hard, I still, I still um, you know, because there are days where people don't want to get up and don't want to do it. And quite frankly, having to put a smile on my face and do an insta story does not fill me with joy, but I do it. So so I, I guess in some ways I'm not that authentic because I'm not showing you the, this is absolute whatever today. Yeah. You know, I, like, I, am yeah, I was still, supposed
1: to do that story three hours ago
0: and I just now dragged myself to do it. Exactly. And I'm not going to tell you that. I'm just going to just go on and do it and be like, oh, this is what it is. And, you know, mm-hmm. but but it's not being, I'm not being unauthentic, but I'm not showing the, the kind of dirty laundry with it all. Do you know what I mean? It's
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, what's tricky about, you know, TikTok mystifies me, right? Like yeah. I've I I've I've looked at it. I'm, I've refused to jump on it. I'm not getting an account. Somebody will make it work. Like I guarantee you, somebody speaking in social media marketing world next year that I got 100,000 followers on TikTok and I made six figures in my business. Great, fine, good for you. Yeah. Here's what I here's what I don't see it working for most people that are kind of in our space because you have to be visible in a way that's congruent with what with who you are and what you're selling. And if you're selling high dollar, high ticket coaching consulting, speaking gigs. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a level of like you're you're delivering expertise. Mm-hmm. Like there's just there's some forms of visibility that they don't do you any favors. They make mm-hmm. it actually very difficult for you to come across with expertise. And I think TikTok is one of them, and there'll be a bunch more. Snapchat was the last example. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, you can get attention there, but is the attention congruent with who you are and the mm-hmm. expertise that you bring? And most of the time the answer to that is no. Uh, I think Instagram stories is one of those exceptions where people have figured out how to do talking head videos and and things like that or mm-hmm. sharing clips from their podcast in such a way that it still is is, is visibility but it's congruent yeah. with who they are and that's really tough to do with some of these new apps that are coming out.
0: And I couldn't agree more. I uh, one of my team members is on TikTok and she's like, Oh, you should do it. You should. And I was like, I might take a look at it tonight and just see what it's all about. And she went, That's it now. I said, Listen, I don't want to lose myself for hours. She went, You will. And I literally was on it about seven minutes and I was like, ah, This is not for me. <laughs> and she said to me, You'd be hilarious on it. And I was like, Yeah, maybe, but it's not what I do. It's not my, you know, that's not my audience. That's not, I, if you know me and you're in the academy and you get on a coaching call with me, I love a laugh and I drink too much gin, not on the coaching calls. You know, I talk about drinking too much gin. I, well, some, some coaching calls, uh, you know, a nip, and a nip, yeah. a nip a short, right? <laughs> just a little just a, just bit, a, just to a, get me through, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'll be honest and I love a laugh and I can be silly and whatever, but that is a, that's in a closed environment, you know? And I don't know that that is the environment. I don't think that's the, what I want to be out in public to the world. And I, it wouldn't add anything. Me doing a stupid video on TikTok, and I do unfortunately don't find them, some I find vaguely entertaining, but a lot I don't, is not going to help me or my audience at all, I don't think at this point. Like you said, someone might find a way that suddenly it becomes, okay, you know, I can see this working. And it was funny because someone was saying to me about TikTok and Gary Gary V, and they're like, Gary's on there. I was like, yeah, but Gary creates so much content. And I could pretty much guarantee he's not even creating the content that's going on there. It's content from other places. Or it's you know, one one I saw was he was talking to a girl being interviewed, and that someone just got that interview and took that interview and put it on TikTok. And it's like, that's not him doing that bit. So if you're a small business owner, if you're trying to make it, don't divide yourself by trying to do all this stuff because you're just not going to be able to do it, especially when it's not sitting with you or your audience. So okay. You know,
1: and by the way, Gary V has 19 people on his personal brand content team. Did you know that?
0: That is crazy. Could you that's imagine? Insane.
1: One of my buddies brought him in to speak uh down in Australia. And so he got a chance to like go hang out with, with Gary in his offices in New York, and 19 people. So yeah, like again, and I don't think it's his fault. So it's not like an anti Gary V thing, but people no. do come away with the impression that I have to be everywhere. Uh, and that's yeah. fine if you have 19 people on your content team, but if you don't, and most people don't, uh, I think everybody should have an assistant. Absolutely. Um, But most of us are not ever going to get to that point where we have 19 people. So like, why take the pressure on yourself Mm. of being everywhere when the person who does it isn't, that's not what they do. No. Gary Vee's not on it 15 hours a day. He's got a $600 million agency to run. He's not on TikTok all day.
0: Of course he's (laughs) not. And that's the thing. It's like, like you said, nineteen people—that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It, of course, he can be on everywhere, everything, all the time. You can't. If you're sat listening to this, thinking, "Oh God, Gary V said I should do all this," that's cool. If you want to hire nineteen people, then crack on—that's brilliant. But you
1: I, know what's we- funny is, some, one of my clients sent me a clip. This is this is like six months ago. It was of Gary V behind the scenes at his office. Uh, I think he brought in like a f- local financial advisor who who got a chance to like tour the offices. He was part of a group, but they showed a video of him sitting down with Gary V. And he just said, look, man, I'm, I'm a local financial advisor. Like, my clients are affluent people. It's a small slice of the city. Like, what should I do? And Gary V is like, LinkedIn and podcasting. I'm uh, like, where is that message yeah. from Gary Vee the rest yeah. of the time? <laughs>
0: I like that's perfect, 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 perfect for yeah, it him. It's
1: great advice, but I'm like, yeah, why is that? That that's not what people take away from it. If they take no. away, I got to be on Snapchat and LinkedIn or Snapchat and TikTok. And yeah, he said LinkedIn and podcasting. And and by the way, that's one of the formulas that's worked really well for me. I know it works, but mm-hmm. not because I followed anybody else. It was because I just I did it and it and it worked. And I I tell my clients to do it, um, because that's where like that's where their audience is. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I mean, the easiest thing is like, if you know who the right people are, first of all, start by going where they where they're already paying attention, mm-hmm. especially because um, we talk about in the book, like, how do you pick that one, like, if you're going to really limit yourself, and make it simple to where you only have one social media place where you actively engage, like, yeah. that better be the right one, right? Yeah. Well, the best reason to jump on any social media network is that the people are asking you to. Mm. Right? If they're not asking you to, are they asking the other people in your space? Are they looking for content from the other people in your space on that platform? And if they're not, that might be an indication that there's just no demand, which means yeah. when you show up with supply, there's nobody there to consume it and it just goes nowhere. Um, you know, I get these kind of questions all the time from clients like, hey, how can, I, how can I simulcast my podcast to 17 different places? How can I take a chunk from my podcast and put it on every single social media platform and quote unquote mm-hmm. flood the market? My question is always, where are you engaged? Yeah, where, where are you actually showing up and having conversations with your audience? Because that's the one place that actually has a shot at growing. Everywhere else, you might as well not pay attention to. Because if you're not actually going to spend the time there, when you put a piece of content up to actually do what Gary Vee says and mm-hmm. follow up and be engaged with people when they start commenting on your then content, if you post and walk away, forget about it. You yeah. might as well not be, not be there at all.
0: And again, you've got to measure up the time that it's going to take to do that. And is that time going to be repaid in money? Because exactly. again, you'll have a lovely audience who think you're wonderful because you respond to stuff, but you're literally spending five hours a day responding to stuff on the internet and not actually getting on a doing your day job, which <laughs> makes you money. So let's yeah. talk about podcasting in this, uh, in the book, you talk about podcasting as a an amazing tool for getting known and for for being seen by your audience. So what is it? Why would I pick that over something else? Now, obviously you don't need to convince me because I've got a podcast and I love it. And I love lots of different things about it. Mainly the fact uh, I was always told as a child, I talk too much and who knew it's paid off. So... I find it way easier to talk them right, so it was perfect for me. But yeah. why do you think it's more powerful than maybe some of the other routes that you could take in terms of a content
1: well if you're if you're a coach, a consultant, thought leader, trainer, speaker, author, person, so you know throw, throw all that into the blender and I don't know i don't know what name we call ourselves, but let's yeah. let's call it a thought leader. Uh, if you're that person, you sell ideas, intellectual mm-hmm. property, right? There's only one. We talked about it earlier. That there's really only one marketing medium where you get more than a couple of minutes of people's attention at a time, and that's podcasting. So that alone should should be basically the deciding factor. But there's a whole bunch of other benefits. One is that it's easier to talk than write, yeah. and that's true even of an introvert. I I write. I like I, I write a lot. I enjoy writing. That doesn't mean I want to write all the time. I don't want to do a weekly blog post. I'd rather do a weekly podcast episode, right? Because it's yeah. stream of consciousness. And to me, the way that I think about podcasting and why does podcasting create demand, especially for professional services when it's done right, is that podcasting is like your version of a church. Your audience yeah. is the congregation. Your solo episodes are like your own sermons, and your interviews are like bringing a guest speaker in. Like there's a, there's a lot of parallels there. So yeah. so I think of podcasting as a platform for leadership. Right, you're taking your audience on an on a journey. Like you're trying to get for the most part, like most of us are trying to sell this transformation, Yeah. right? We want to help people get from point A to point B, right? We want to help them get from the wilderness to the promised land. We've like, we've been to the promised land and now we're coming back to lead more people there. That's kind of the frame that we're in, right? Yeah. So uh, like the podcast is the perfect environment to step up and tell people like, Hey, here's the next step. Or here's some helpful tips along the way, Mm. all in service of getting you from point A to point B. And I think the most successful podcast in terms of getting people to then sign up for coaching or events or stuff like that after they hear a podcast episode is that type of content. And the easiest way to deliver that is a podcast. Now, you can do other things like YouTube channels that will do the same things, but you have Mm. less time. So it takes way more preparation because you might only have five minutes to hold somebody's attention, whereas a podcast gives you 40.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's absolutely. How I think about it. And I saw something, I was at a conference ages ago and they talked about going, um, deep rather than wide. So you're much better off having 50 people listen to a 40 minute podcast episode than having a hundred people watch a. Your- two minute video. You know, it's not always about those numbers. Like you said, it's about the fact that they're sitting and listening for such a long time. And I don't know about you, but I often find when you get someone new to the podcast, they then go back and listen to all of it. And it's like, you know, they start consuming all of the episodes and it's just like, geez, their heads at the end of it must be like, Oh my God, because it's a lot of content. There's a lot of stuff in there. I mean, I can talk for Britain and I cram in content when I do solo episodes. So there's a huge amount, but it's just the fact that that's how kind of, that's how it works. And that's once you get into it, there's always something else to listen to, especially if you've done quite a few episodes. So purely out of my own sheer nosiness (laughs) <laughs> what am I doing to get on other people's podcasts? So for me, and I have to say, and this is so weird, I in my academy, I have four areas that I focus on. Get seen, get emails, get sales, get a fans. So when you started your three stretches, like, oh, okay, this this kind of adds up. And when I talk about the get seen section, all I do in my business, which I don't think people believe, but my only focuses are my podcast, i.e., getting people on mine, me getting on other people's, and me speaking on stage. Oh, and social media, obviously, because I'm I'm in every social media. But that's it. I don't do, I'm not trying to be on YouTube, I'm not trying to blog, I'm not trying to do anything but those things. And to be honest, the speaking from stage is purely my own love of speaking from stage. You know, yeah. it's it's still obviously a very good uh tool, but that's really just because I love it. So obviously I get cool people on my podcast, and I'm very lucky and I've I've had some You know, brilliant people on. So that's cool. I've got that. That's nice. What about me getting on others? What am I doing to get on other people's podcasts?
1: Okay. And and I recommend this to all my clients who already have podcasts too, because to me, this is the foundation of reaching new people who are super Mm. highly targeted and actually looking for solutions, right? Unlike content on social media, even paid ads right yeah. because people aren't that there's no there's no search intent there they're they're there on right. social media for other reasons but when they're listening to a business podcast they're listening to it cuz they're looking for solutions to the problem they have pain and they're yeah. trying to make the pain go away so in terms of like getting on i've heard a couple of different perspectives on this but i'm I, as you can you know like i mentioned that i run the agency in just a, a few hours yeah. a week i'm i'm huge on not doing things myself that i don't have to yeah. so what i do to get on podcasts is i have someone on my team who in addition to producing one of my podcasts, her her half of her job is to pitch me consistently week in and week out so to small, medium, and large podcasts, yeah. right? And so we're sending like basically a pitch email that I wrote. So, and then she is looking for opportunities when she tracks down a new podcast to pitch me on. She's looking for opportunities to leverage my existing relationships to usually name drop. So if there's one thing I would suggest is whether you reach out yourself or whether you have somebody else to do it, start with your existing network mm. and maybe look in LinkedIn and search for podcast hosts and see how many of them are second level connections where mm. you know, you have somebody in common. Maybe even if it's somebody that they've interviewed, like yeah. you've you've interviewed a couple of my friends or, or yeah, yeah. you and I probably share multiple podcast guests. Mm. So if I wanted to get featured on your show, I would reach out either myself or through somebody else. And I would say, Hey, like you've had Dana on. Dana is a client. Yeah. We actually produce her Boss Mom podcast. Yeah. Uh, I thought the content she shared was great. I've got a little bit different spin on it. If you'd love, you know, if you enjoy having me on the show, here's a link to my book. You know, just thought mm-hmm. I'd reach out. So even something simple as that, you can do it yourself. Uh, I, you know, one of my friends is Nate Hirsch. He's been on 300 podcasts and he has a VA do all the research and then he does all the reach out himself. I'm like, that still mm-hmm. sounds way too much. So I've yeah. got a system on the back end that just my team does it. It's actually part of our, like we, we sell that program kind of behind the scenes if you buy the book. Um, to where you can literally just plug somebody in who's a 12 to $15 an hour person, send them through this four-week program, and they pop out the other side, fully trained and equipped to just pitch you. So like, that's what I would recommend because I don't really think anything yeah. but showing up to the interview is worth most experts' time. If you make a yeah. hundred bucks an hour, it's not worth doing anything else, but just showing up.
0: And it's funny, you know, being a podcaster, when I first started, well, for the first 20-something episodes, I didn't interview anybody. I just literally got, comfortable with doing my own podcast mm-hmm. then I very luckily managed to get Pat Flynn and Amy Porterfield as my first two interviews which was awesome it took work you know I and people say how'd you do it and I flew five and a half thousand miles to take them for coffee but it worked
1: basically yeah
0: Um, so, and then from then on, I've been able to look at their connections and go, who do they know? And then I got Rick and then I got Jasmine and then I got James Wedmore. And then, and then you meet someone, you know, at a conference and go, I'd like you on. And, and you can do that. And then as I've grown and as the podcast has grown and other people have seen who's been on mine, I'm getting more requests, which is lovely because now I get to see people who perhaps wouldn't have come up in my world. But what I've noticed, I'm getting requests off people who I'm like, you've obviously not even looked at what my podcast is about and who my audience might be, because this is the most awkward fit in the world. And it's absolutely pointless. So I think having someone who can do that research and know for sure that it's a, it's a good fit, or at least it's your audience or, you know, potential audience, then it's got to, because you've got to add value to the podcaster, haven't you? Because otherwise, what's the point? And they're not going to have you on just to be kind, which would be yeah. lovely if, you know, Gary Vee would have me on something just to be kind. Uh, but I don't think he's going to. Um, but yeah, no, that's perfect. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, and like I said, it, it's on my strategy only because it's, for me, in terms of content creation, it's easy. You tell me what you want to talk about, ask me questions. I could talk all day long because I know what I'm talking about. And therefore there's nothing really that I have to do in order to get ready for that podcast episode other than just sit there and be ready to answer questions, which mm. is great. I could do that all day long. <laughs> me <too>. So <laughs> Matt, it's been so great to talk to you. And I'm obviously going to put a link to the book in the, in the show notes and everything, but is there anything else you want to leave my listeners with in terms of if they could do one thing today like to get out there and do something what what should they be doing today
1: mm, that is a great question if they could do one thing today i would tell them to i would tell them to pitch one podcast not a big one just a small that. to medium sized one Send a message, even reach out on Instagram. People are having good luck these days, reaching out to mm. podcast hosts and their DMs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, find a podcast that you can pitch yourself on and just force yourself to send the message and see what happens. Because if you've never done that before, you might be surprised by jumping on and getting interviewed how much you enjoy it mm. and how much positive feedback you get. And it's just a way more fun way to build your business than posting all the time on social media or paying for ads and things like that, which are insanely complex you know, like there, there's a, there's a universe of stuff we could do. And just getting yeah. interviewed on podcasts is a lot more fun.
0: I love that. I, Cause I love action taking and I want people to do that. I want people to actually go and pitch. You watch now, I'm going to get a ton of pitches. That's uh, not, that's, they're all coming to you. <laughs> all my listeners are going to be sending me DMs. I got many podcasts, Lisa. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying don't pitch me. Uh, but also just the fact of asking the question. I asked Seth Godin to come on my podcast. Unfortunately, he wasn't promoting a book at a time, which was bad timing on my front. But I asked him and he really politely came back very swiftly saying, I'm really sorry Trish, I'm too busy at the moment, but thank you. And I was like, brilliant. Great. You know, I'm sat here. Brene Brown is like, She is burning a hole in my head of like, I really want Brene Brown on. I know this woman is massive. The chances of getting this woman are slim to none, but I'm going to ask her soon because what's the worst she can do? Say no. That's it. No one dies and you know maybe the third time she might say yes so matt that's wonderful and i want people to do that i really do and let us know that you've done it thank you so much for coming on it's been lovely to chat with you and like i said i will link up to everything in the show notes so people can come and find you and check out that book so thank you so much for coming on today thank you oh do you know what i love that interview i was just re rewatching so obviously i have a video of it and like, we did it quite a while ago, because as you know, I batched the the interviews, and I'd forgotten how good it was, and I'd forgotten half the stuff we talked about. So obviously I was re-watching it, and then I got caught re-watching it again, and, and I love the conversation about TikTok, and even though I recorded that some while ago, I say some I well, one, that's terrible English some while that's not right uh, a while ago uh, my stance has not changed yet on tiktok if it does you'll be the first to know and also i do want to bring someone on to talk about it in the podcast because obviously for some of you that it is an important subject and obviously i want to make sure we cover it i'm just struggling to find who yet and and getting the right person but anyway so yeah i love that conversation i love the conversation about creating content and being everywhere in gary v and and how important it is that you remember we're not Gary Vee. As much as, you know, we'd love a content team of 19 people. Uh, that is not the case. And therefore, you really do have to be really strict with your time and use it wisely. And being on every single platform trying to do everything is not going to be the case. It's, it's not wise time, is it? So... So anyway, like I said, I really enjoyed that. Matt was such a nice guy, really lovely to chat to. So, okay, I will leave it with you for this week. If you want to find out more about Matt, then do go check out my show notes. Everything will be in there and also a link to his book, which I've read and is excellent. Do go and check that out as well. Have a lovely week and I will see you this time next week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then please do go check out teresaheathwearing.com where you'll find more amazing content to help you grow your business.